You're listening to the Home Buyers Hour on WCPT AM 820. And we got our regular guest in the studio with us, Steve Davis, along with Patrick Loftus and Joey Matthews, my favorite mortgage broker. Joey, if you don't mind, I'm really angry at these two in the room right now. So, your, your anger I, is not at us. I, your your I anger is definitely not at us. them out. I did nothing. Just you and me, Joey. I do not it. accept your <laughs> anger. Ouch. If you don't mind, Joey, give me the the rundown of why you're so special to me. And, and just for everybody else, we're going to talk about a lot about home inspection stuff today. And more so... You know, what is serious, what isn't serious, what should be documented, and so forth. And I got a bunch of examples, and I want to get all three of your opinions. But first, Joey, please give us your rundown. All right, well, my name is Joey Matthews, the VA Loan Nerd, NMLS 1330694. You can find me at thevaloannerd.com. You can find me across all social medias as at the VA Loan Nerd. And if you want to call or text me, you can call 630-235-2405. <laughs> You do have the most romantic voice. What's going on in the in the finance world right now, Joey? Uh, we've been pretty flat. I know we had a, a, a rise in rates uh, over the last two, three weeks, um, but it's flattened out pretty pretty well since. We do have uh, some financial data coming in tomorrow. Uh, it's PCE, personal, uh, oh my God, consumer expenditure. So what people are spending, if that comes in light, we will see a nice correction downwards. If it comes in high, then... I, I would imagine our next ceiling on the 10-year treasury is at four and a half, which would also push rates up a little bit higher again. So we are playing a fun, fun game of what's going to give first on, on inflation. Um, I think the, the big problem here, and the, it's been talked about more, is uh, – Credit card debt consumers are loading more and more and more and more and more credit card. Are you debt. in on with these guys? You know, trying to make fun of the credit card stuff here. You know, the, the problem. That's my whole thing that oh, I'm working on. The problem here is credit pretty, card debt. I'm pretty sure we can't name the company that is uh, has caused your your mood to swing downward because uh, he was I'm, such a happy per person this morning. No, yeah, he, he was at breakfast. He was no? kind of yeah. He was kind of. He in seemed a, to be happy at know, breakfast. A bit of a foul mood. You know, yep. so, mm -hmm. as soon as this whole credit but again we can't we can't name them because they're probably a sponsor i don't know i don't care level. you know well, let's keep moving on steve <laughs> no, if you not. don't mind uh, give us your contact information i want to get to work here did we finish the financial <laughs> situation i don't know we interrupted them that's for sure well that's what we do joey poor were you, joey were you done yeah. yet jo joey stradamus uh, uh he, he he rests okay <laughs> You are my favorite, Joey. Thank right, who, are, who is this guy over here? All right, so Steve Davis uh, with Kamar Group, and uh, I specialize in residential real estate. My number is 312-513-6314, 312-513-6314. You can find me on Instagram at I'm Steve Davis or Facebook, Stephen Davis. Sounds good. Patrick, please. My name is Patrick Loftus. I'm a real estate lawyer. My law firm is Loftus Law. I handle real estate transactions, residential. If you're buying your home or selling your home, I'm the guy you hire to make sure that it goes smoothly. Find me on Instagram at Loftus underscore law, L-O-F like Frank, T like Tom, U-S like Sam, if you are listening and not watching. Find me on TikTok. Uh, I'm, just, I'm I'm looking for followers on TikTok so I can go live because that, that matters somehow uh, at Loftus Law. And my name is Charlie Belfontaine. I own Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Our phone number is 312-544-9180. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this subject is, you know, I, I do these follow-up interviews with all of our home inspection clients that hire us. And more so just to clarify how severe the issues are that we document in our report. And I've been coming up with the same thing over and over again that my clients feel are very serious and we're marking them you know, down that way, but then when I talk to them, it's like, hey, listen, this is low probability. Even though there's a high risk, it's a low probability. And, I, and the whole thing is to put the issues in proper perspective, all right? Now, and Joey, I, I don't want you to sit back on this. I mean, you know the minimum property requirements, and these are things that are gonna stop mortgages. So if anything else jumps in on that, I want you to interrupt everybody and get involved in these things. But the first conversation that we had earlier today, 
um, was about egress windows. So I'm going to save that one to the end. And I want to switch it over to ground fault circuit interrupters. All right. And in today's code, just to make everything clear, GFIs are supposed to be in kitchens, bathrooms, garages, basements, exteriors, um, anywhere that somebody else could be connected to the earth in one way and touching something that could be energized. We, and they protect lives. I believe in them. I think they're serious. But knowing that stuff, you get a house that was built post-World War II in 1950, that wasn't a code back then. And there is nothing in the codes that say that we have to bring things up to current standards. So, Steve, I'd like to start with you. What do you, how do you talk to clients about the lack of GFIs in kitchens and bathrooms? So, with GFIs, I think it's obviously crucial within six feet of a water uh, of water source, um, as well as in garages, so on, whatnot. And in regards to what I tell them, I say, you know, the reason the GFI is out there now is because it will trip if something is, you know, caused to uh, on a combustion or, or electrical situation, which could cause a fire. So I tell them that when that we are doing the inspections, um, when we find GFI outlets that are fault. Uh, we should definitely have those replaced. I also explain that um, the safety aspect to it is crucial um, because, again, if it's not grounded the right way or it's not tripping, then something can catch fire. Okay, and I'm going to interrupt you real quick Please. there. And no insult to you, you're not the expert when it comes to this type of stuff. And as arrogant and cocky as it sounds, I am. All right, so GFCIs don't stop fires. All right, they don't protect property. What they do is protect people. Circuit breakers will stop fires. They protect property. And just to give a quick rundown for everybody who's listening, amperage, um, you know, when we talk about electricity, you're going to have volts, amps, watts, and ohms. Those are common terms that are used. And they are four different things, but we still call all four of them electricity. When we're dealing with amperage, we're really creating an electromagnetic field around the wire. And that amperage just basically sits on the wire. It moves forward and backwards slowly, but it just really sits there. And it never disappears. That's the key point. So if I got five amps flowing on the energized conductor, I am going to have, or I should have, five amps coming back on the neutral or the grounded conductor. All right. As long as those two items are equal, that GFI outlet will allow it to flow. But if it's even 0.5 of a milliamp, and if you think about that, that's one half of one one thousandth of one amp. All right, so an extremely small amount of amperage, if it varies even that slightest bit, the power is turned off. This way, we don't let a human being become a conductor. That's the main purpose of it. All right. So you know, I'm thrilled to death that you you take value in them. But it's more for people, not for fires. Mm -hmm. All right, they're not going to predict a fire, and I hope you're okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I thought about it a little bit differently um, than. Well, okay, so I, that was a very technical uh, description, and I I think that you know it was it, it sounded accurate as far as I I can tell. Um, you know, the way I I view amperage is is how it's if if you're looking at an electrical system in the same way as you look at a plumbing system, it's how much of it is coming through. So five amps is you know the amount of electricity that you are getting. Um, 10 amps is twice as much and so on and so forth. And the way I always conceptualize GFIs, it's like, um, you know, the circuit breaker is meant to trip uh, when there's more than however many amps that it allows to go through. And so uh, that cuts off the electricity to that circuit and, you know, would it, you know, for for the, the safety of, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, a person who has completed the circuit accidentally um, or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and with a GFI, you know, so that's going to trip sooner than the uh, th than the circuit breaker would. And Our so you're, you're basically instead of getting a getting whacked with a lot of electricity uh, as 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 your body is, is experiencing all of that amperage coming through it until uh, the breaker trips, it trips much sooner. So you just get a little zap. You're but not going to get a zap at all. But doesn't right, it have to do GFI. with the GFI outlet? Doesn't have to do with if there's, as you said, too much amperage, amperage going through, and so on. If you didn't have the GFI, it was just a regular outlet, and let's say you get zapped. That's when you get zapped, which can technically cause 
a electrical uh, uh, possible spark fire. All right, Charlie, I'm going to give nope. the short version of what I teach new home inspectors. All right, please. Voltage is the pressure. All right, so think of voltage as a magnet. The stronger the magnet, the more pressure that we have that comes in there. The higher the voltage, the more of a push that we're going to have to get electricity from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. All right, amperage. It's the true word is current. And current, as I said, is that electromagnetic field, all right? It just, if the wire is your, you know, finger sticking out, then the electromagnetic field that's created around the wire is basically going to get bigger and bigger with the more amount of amps that you use. Got it. All right? Yep. We use breakers um, <clears throat> to protect us from the amperage of the, that's flowing through the wires, or on the wires, I should say. Wattage, the proper word for wattage is power. I like to remember that because we pay for power. So I remember with the P's, all right? The light bulbs, every piece of equipment such as a range, refrigerator, everything else, they're all gonna be measured in wattage. Wattage travels along the skin, typically on the amperage, on that electromagnetic field. It travels at the speed of light. It goes to wherever the work is being done, that light bulb, that refrigerator and so forth, and then it's gone it changes into whatever other option that's in there, all right? Ohms is gonna be the stuff that slows everything else down. For example, I have a filament in a light bulb. It's very thin, all right? So even though I have a 20 amp circuit and I have all this available electricity on the grid, that little filament is only gonna let, you know, let's just say 120 watts. I wanna keep my numbers simple. That's gonna allow 120 watts to flow, all right? So there's, there's our difference in the world. So breakers, GFIs, they all measure amperage, all right? They measure that electromagnetic field. When it gets too big, then it's gonna snap. These GFIs are designed to trip at 0.5 milliamps. Again, that's one half of one one thousandth of one amp, all right? You're not even gonna feel that tingle. You're not gonna feel a spark, you won't feel anything. You're gonna touch something, as soon as you touch it, the power's going off, and then you're gonna throw out a whole bunch of cuss words. At least that's how it works in my house, <laughs> all right? And you're going to wonder why nothing works, because you, you, right. didn't, you didn't realize it was the GFI exactly. that popped. And you're going to be pressing all these buttons all over the place, especially if it's downstream, you know, because one GFI can protect all the outlets that are downstream of it. So if something trips down, you know, triggers it there, you're going to be looking five outlets to the left of you to see if that's the one that resets everything. So, so Steve, it's a pain in the butt. So, Steve, on a, on a scale of 1 to 10, right? So the question that was asked, and then we got sidetracked, but I think in a good way to uh, have a better understanding of, of what this is, because yeah. it comes up it comes up more often than not that a GFI is not working. It's, it's not usually that the GFI isn't there. Um, even in homes that are built, you know, even oh. in the last 10 years, they, they will, by code, ha uh, have GF, GFI. That's not true. No? Wait, say that again. I'm sorry. Like home was built in the last 10 years. Yes, that is yeah. true. I misheard. I, I was going to say, because you know, we were building homes back in the 90s, um, yeah. you know, GFIs were, you know, part of the deal. Um, you know, but, okay, so so we're talking about, uh, you know, the risk of a person receiving an electrical shock um, and having the GFCI uh, will reduce that risk substantially, but it is something, you know, these must be fragile or whatever it is, because they often quit working for they one do. reason or another. Yeah. Um, and that's why I see them so often, even on newer homes. Now, on a scale of one to 10, though, how significant is that issue as far as when you're discussing it with a client? I mean, when I'm discussing with the client, I just say, you know, these are meant for safety uh, aspects. So I think that <clears throat> you should definitely have someone come out there and, you know, replace the GFI outlets and so on. But, you know, from a realtor perspective, we only have so much education depending on who is teaching us. So the things that Charlie just mentioned as far as the different types of amp, and the different type of wattage and so on, power, if you will, Things I didn't know uh, particularly, or it's just more education that helps me explain it to my client. And that's why we're here, Charlie. What does it cost to fix to uh, to fix a GFI? That's the real question right there. It's the outlets themselves, or a good quality one, because if you do buy a cheap one, they do fail. They mm. have a high percentage of failing within a few years. Yeah. But a good quality one, standalone, you're looking at about twenty five dollars. Okay. If you want to get one that has an alarm on it, that's good quality, and I would get that for. 
anything that you have to plug a refrigerator, sump pump, ejector pits, stuff that you don't want to go out on power without you knowing about it. Yeah, the sump pump. (laughs) It is a big one. (laughs) They have ones with alarms on them, and those are about $10 more. They're $35. And by the way, if you have a sump uh, pump, not a bad idea to invest in a battery backup. 100%. Every single house we throw that in there. Now, Joey, if you don't mind, I want to get it from the mortgage guy's point of view. With GFIs, is that part of the minimum property requirements or minimum property standards? Oh yeah, yeah. You're going to see that. I mean, as you guys have already said, you know, it's 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 part of code now. So when a appraiser goes into a property, one of the things that they're going to look for is GFIs in areas where you would expect moisture to be, like kitchens, garages, bathrooms, right? But is that to today's standards? Is it what they go by? In other words, like the house was built in 1950, a vet wants to buy it. Does that mean they have to bring that house up to today's standards, even though that's not in the codes? They don't have to. So, all right, I'll pull up the MPRs directly. But I'm sorry to catch you on that one. No, you're good. It's 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 not a catch. So, MPRs are going to be including GFI outlets, right? And it's a very easy fix. It is at the end of the day. That's Mm -hmm. that's why it doesn't really matter what the code is. If you're buying a house that was renovated recently, then yeah, it's gonna be code anyway. But again, to your point, 1950, it was not code. However, because it is a very easy fix, they still require them. Yeah, and and just to add in, more often than not, a a house built in 1950 will have had some work done on it, Um, will have probably a a kitchen that has, it's not the original from 1950, bathroom same. Um, And so, you know, at at whatever point there was uh, an improvement made to the home, uh, they would likely have installed GFCI. Now, the other question, so 25 bucks for a nice one, right? Um, without the alarm. Um, what's it going to cost to have that installed? Because, you know, let's say I'm not super handy and, and, and I'm not going to do it myself. Um, do I need a licensed electrician and do I need to pay their rates? Is it something I can get a handyman to do? What's the, you know, I'm not going to hold you to this, you know, but, you know, just give me give me the the real deal yeah. here. I'll tell you what I tell my clients. It's going to end up being a handyman. You could turn the power off to that, and nobody's going to get hurt. All right. Now, granted, if it's a handyman who's not familiar with this stuff, then we should find another one who is. You know, but most people can switch out an outlet. I, I look at these things as do it yourself. There's very few things that you got to remember. You tighten the screw clockwise. You so the wire should be wrapped around the screw in the clockwise direction. The black conductor should be the energized conductor. There's gonna be a brass screw, a silver screw, and a green screw. The black wire goes to the brass screw, the white wire goes to the silver screw, and that's another thing we find, reverse polarity, all the time where they put that in there. And because we're in a pipe city, in other words, we use conduit here in Chicago, we really don't even use that green screw. We just take the metal flanges, attach it to the metal box, and and we're grounded. Well, you know, big, you know what I find a lot. Sorry, Steve. I want to add in yeah, on that really quick. So yeah, it's very very easy to do, but here's how you make it idiot proof. And by that I mean, Steve, that should not touch oh, electrical. I was so expecting <laughs> okay. Charlie proof. No no no, it's fine. I'll, I'll throw myself under the barrel today. So. I'll throw myself under the bus because yeah. what you do and. Uh, you take a picture of it as soon as you take the the cover off and the outlet or the you know the piece out when the electrical is off right take a picture of it and just make sure you know how it is so then when you take that apart and you put the new one on you can look at your picture and be like oh okay this wire goes to that screw that wire goes to that screw so on so cuz not everyone is as familiar with you know the ground or the the hot or the coal you know or the power source or whatever the yeah neutral you know what I mean yeah. neutral thank you no I think that, so. that that makes a lot of sense um you know then of course I open up uh, an outlet and I I find there's a brown uh, a purple and a yellow and I'm like well I'm just gonna put this back the way I found it because right. I do not know yeah what, for sure I do not know what the next you know, step I think is. I think electric <laughs> I think electricians use different colors to mess with homeowners I yeah hundred percent hundred percent nothing against electricians out there because obviously that's their their no i i you know, you know use the right color you <laughs> you jerks come on well let me give you some examples let's of make color it coding. <laughs> all right red and black are typically for energized conductors whenever you start seeing a red and black wire coming up in the same pipe that usually means that they're either sharing a neutral or it's going to a 240 circuit white and gray are typically for neutral conductors or grounded conductors same thing 
White is going to be everything from the breaker to the first GFI. And then gray should be from the first GFI to everything after that. All right. This is what a union or a good, well-trained electrician is going to be doing. But that doesn't mean that's the person who worked on this thing. Any other color could be used. Um, City of Chicago actually has a, the, I'm sorry, should have cut. City of Chicago, I love you so much. But it's a really garbage code. <laughs> all right? And they, they come back and catch this one out. They're grounding electroconductor. They have it in writing that it could be black, it could be bare, but it cannot be green. And green is like the most green is universal. Ground, right? Green is ground. It's yeah. the most universal G color G. for ground. But now they don't enforce it. It is written in there. And, you know, it's like somebody brought that to my attention, and so we started calling it out. And it's like, what the hell am I doing? Mm -hmm. You know, this doesn't help my client. And I, I want to get back to the GFIs with Joey, too. I don't want to forget about them. Joey, how does somebody prove, if they didn't have it in there, what is acceptable to you to find out that they fixed a problem so you can go ahead and approve the loan? For a VA loan, just take pictures of it and send it in to me. If it's an FHA loan, because both FHA and VA are going to require this, then you got to have the appraiser actually go back out mm -hmm. and inspect. Okay. Now, and that I think is huge. All right, knowing that, because and does the does somebody have to pay that appraiser to go back out? Yeah. Who? Yeah. So they're gonna the appraiser, the borrower, the buyer is gonna pay a trip fee to the appraiser on an FHA loan to uh, go back out and reinspect to make sure GFI outlets are in there. So anytime. You know you have an FHA or VA loan coming in. Just get the outlet switched out before they, the appraiser even gets to the property. Thank you. And that's exactly where I was going. The more people that we can get to recognize some of these NPRs, especially if it's a VA or an FHA mortgage, we're, we're helping our clients. We're saving, I don't know what an appraiser costs. 100 All right, so it's not a lot of money. But you know what? It's not a lot of money to me. That doesn't mean it's not a lot of money it, to someone else. It's a lot exactly. of money to most borrowers because yeah. they look at it as, as a, an unnecessary expense. 100 bucks, 100 bucks. Yes. They're already spending a correct. lot of money. Correct. That's to go back out, though, correct, Joey? That is, yeah, that's the trip fee for the second time around. Okay, the first time is six, yes? It is, yeah. It's, so FHA okay. doesn't have a set number. VA does uh, five fifty in this area, and then gotcha. otherwise it's up to the appraiser charging whatever. Gotcha. Okay. Is. I was gonna say because it's usually six. I'm like, oh, I'm way off. <laughs> yeah, I see. So the second <laughs> second trip is a hundred to one hundred fifty. Is that correct? So for VA, it's going to be 150 every time. FHA is usually going to be right around 125, 150 as well. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and it's just you know, what you'll what I what, I'll, what I will often find is um, use your words. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> uh, sometimes. It's been a rough morning. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, I, I got the, great. I got I'd, the go ahead to just add a waffle MF, and uh, egg and Chase and and everything about Chase. So I'm MFing him. Um, am I allowed to say MF? Uh, Never mind. Uh, my friends. Yeah, there you go. Uh, my 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 friends. Uh, my future. What the? What was I saying? I don't <laughs> know. Talking about the GFIs, the cost of the appraiser, and such. Right. Uh, yeah. Times. So uh, often the buyer will feel some kind of way about that because they'll say some. You know, that their opinion will be well. You know, we asked them to to. Uh, they agreed to to uh, scrape and, and paint, and they didn't do it in time for the appraiser. And now the appraiser's got to go back out. You know, and and so. What is sort of a, a non, a seemingly non-issue for us sitting here in this room becomes an issue for the for the borrower. All right. One, all right, we're switching to a new gear now. We're going to go with water stains. All right, we're inside of a house. My inspectors are doing what they do. They use their thermal imagers and moisture meters. There's no active water contact, but we see the stains on the ceiling. We know it's leaked in the past. All right, but it's not active, and it just rained real quickly. What do you guys expect? to be documented in a report or what do you think can harm you or give me some horror and good steve if you're ready i'll start with you horror and good gotcha uh well first of all if i'm going through um the home you know in the first place before i even have the inspector before you put a something under contract i'm reaching out to the agent and saying hey are you aware of this do you know what this is is this an active leak do you know anything so on it's not in the disclosures it is in the disclosures you know what is this um so first i'm addressing that uh just to make sure that there's you know if there are issues if they're not issues if it's something a lot of times you'll see something like that and it's already been taken care of it just hasn't been you know scraped mudded painted over whatever after uh, it has been taken care of but it is something that I bring up to my clients when we do look at a property 
to make sure they're aware of it. I think one of the biggest things about an agent is the fact that we need to be the eyes, the ears, and really focusing on not just the, you know, oh, this is so pretty and this is so nice and blah, blah, blah. It's all right, let me see the nitty gritty. Let me see the stuff they don't see because they, uh, a buyer is most likely just excited about finding something that's a really great fit and it's it's cool and it's got you know character and blah blah whatever it is right so for me i'm looking for those things that they're not going to see so i'm looking under sinks to see if there's any water uh, you know water um um proof water of water at one or, point yeah. yeah or i'm looking in the closets or i'm looking in you know wherever so i think that's the first part the second part is when it comes to an inspector going through and whatnot um, you know, they're going to verify my findings if I saw it in the first place or addressed it with the client. And we'll make sure that there is no, uh, you know, it's not an active leak and clearly it is dry and so on. But that's what inspectors uh, situate, you know, that's, that's their job. And I tell my clients all the time, listen, this is what I think, but I don't know. So if you want to move forward with this and we put an offer on the property, we get the property, understand they're going to provide the evidence of what it is and what it isn't. I can't see through the walls. They have a, a special tool that allows you to see uh, the infrared aspect to see if it is an active leak or if there has been water, if there's sitting water, you know, that sort of thing. So okay. that's kind of how I address that. And I, and I have to throw a little curveball at you that Please do. you're not the norm, all right? You're the rare. And I'm not trying to blow smoke up your patootie or anything like that, patootie. but it's like, I know I could say that on the air. Patootie? Um, but it's it's all true. You know, most people That's won't awesome. lift a finger to take any sort of action. I mean, I mean, most we know that there's over 80% of the real estate agents didn't even do one transaction last year. How the hell are they going to know what is normal or not normal when it comes to these? And even in my profession... I don't know what percentage of home inspectors, I actually should be doing a, a survey to find out, carry a thermal imager or a moisture meter. Or if they do carry one, what level? They don't work with me if they don't carry one. So you got minimum standards 100%. that come in there. But what happens if somebody hires somebody outside of you and you don't have a say-so? I just tell them, and listen, I, you know, based on my experience and what I know and who I know and the resources that I have, I would highly recommend you using, you know, your services, your your company, right? But if they say, well, I have my own inspector, this, that, whatever, that's fine. I take no responsibility if there's any problems. I take no responsibility if they're upset later, because guess what? I but didn't tell them you still have to fix those problems. Yeah, but that's not, I mean, yes, but I at saw, the same I time. Saw, I saw Charlie's, the look on Charlie's face was, uh, it's preemption. was a sour one there. Yeah. No, it's, no, no, it's, please, it's, go ahead. No, it, it, it's, I value everything that you're saying. I guess I want to turn it over to Patrick somewhere. You know, and then back to Joey on the same question. Patrick, I mean, is this something that your clients, what do they ask you to do? Yeah. I, legal so man. I, I mm -hmm. Legal man. Um, legal, <laughs> legal man. I'm to, all over to the, the rescue. Today. Obviously, I'm worked up. <laughs> legal, you know? legal man. This is American hero. Comes in to save right? the day. I can't the, sing the song, but God, I wish I would remember this. <laughs> literally <laughs> the worst <laughs> Marvel superhero ever. Legal man. Yeah. <laughs> You imagine it'd be it'd be I'm, worse. I'm going it'd be what, what's, oh, what's the, what's the new Spider-Man awesome. movie that came out that everyone hated? It'd be worse than that one. Um, all right, enough of that. <laughs> Devin will know what the, he, what the spider. Does he attach the briefcase Devin, what was, by the, his what side? was the Spider-Man movie that just came out that everyone hated? He'll tell us in a minute. He can't get out of here. He'll text you. Did, right. Go all on. right. What do I do? You know, look, I don't have any say more often than not as to who inspected it. So whether or not they'll have low, I don't the water even, stain, I, though. I didn't know there were different the levels. So, you know, how do I deal with the, with the water stain? Um, in a perfect world, it just rained like heck for the past week. And we're going to have a pretty clear idea if that's an active leak because it'll be wet. Man in which wet. case we're going to say, you know, please uh, address the, the source of that uh, of that water. Um, let's say it's dry. And we're able to prove that it's dry. Sure. So, you know, what the the typical request I'll make. So if I don't have that those ideal conditions, let's say it's, you know, middle of August and it's it's been, you know, bone dry for the past three weeks, um, more or less, um, you know, then water sneaky. So we, we've got to we've got to try to uh, 
look and find as many clues as possible as to you know whether this is a, 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 a current problem or a former problem. So, for example, uh, what I'll ask is, we see that there's a water stain. Uh, let us know what the source of that stain was and what was done to address it. Um, so that's that's kind of step one is to ask the seller to to tell us and to be honest. Now, you know, will they? Eh, you know, who knows? Who knows? Um, you know, I have no control over the other side. So, you know, what other things can? What other clues can we look for? Um, other clues? Let's say that. No, we, but let's say we know that it's not wet. All right. Well, we 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 almost cannot know that it's not wet. The only way we know that it's not wet is if the seller says, "This was the source. This is what I did to to fix it. Why did why didn't I uh, go the final?" Um, well, see, know, I disagree with that too, though, because sometimes they don't disclose it like they should. Nobody discloses anything, Steve. Come on, who well, are we kidding? If I'm well, representing a property, I'm yeah. asking them fine tooth. Um, I'm, I'm asking you very specific questions to make sure that they are giving me the truth. And if they're not, I'll be like, listen, just let me know what's going on because I obviously, my reputation on the line, my word is on the line. God, I love so, those words. But, but let me let me finish really my do. thought because, you know, you. The, the question was, what if we know it's dry? And, you know, the, the path I was going down is, how do we know it's dry? Well, the seller told us that, you know, this was the source. Uh, this is what we did. This and, you know, we just didn't. Uh, paint for whatever reason. I still don't know. I still don't know. I, I don't know that they're, you know, telling me the truth or not. It, you know, goes we talked earlier about, you know, the, the idea of, of trust and, and what what trust can do for you in a negotiation and what trust does for you in a, in a negotiation. And, and I'm going to credit the person who I heard this from, William Urey. He's uh, he, he wrote mm. a book called uh, Getting to Yes, I think it's called a uh, very famous negotiation book. But I listened to a podcast where he was uh, a um he was a guest uh, being interviewed by Tim Ferriss, who I'm sure many people will know who that is. Uh, and, you know, interesting conversation. Uh, you can go on his, his podcast feed. You'll find it. Uh, if you want to learn a lot about negotiation, that's two hours well spent um, for sure. Now, um, what what he described trust in, in connection with a negotiation is that it it will get it will make a negotiation more efficient. Right. So the more I trust Charlie the less I need to go back and forth with him over the nitty gritty in in terms of a negotiation because I know he's not gonna take steps to, to sabotage me. Rather, I know that Charlie is going to be someone who is is collaborative in that sense. So I, I, I just I want to be accurate. We just want the truth. I'm just saying. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm talking. You know, in more. Uh, I'm, I'm talking more. You know, broader terms here okay. in terms of describing a negotiation. Same with Steve. If if Steve and I were were uh, you know collaborating on something, I I would have a lot more trust than if it's you know just some random person off the street, right? So. Um, the trust builds those efficiencies. If you want a transaction that is going to go net, now we're talking about real estate transactions. You want a real estate transaction that's going to go smoothly, you've got to build trust. How do you build trust in a real estate transaction? Disclose as much as possible if you're a seller, right? Uh, as much as is material for the buyer, right? Here's how old my roof is. This is what happened, and you know th these are all things that you are gonna, I think, get more value disclosing prior to entering into contract. Once it gets, once it gets into into my lap, now I'm trying to come from behind, right? Because the the deal that was negotiated is the deal. All right, I don't get to negotiate the price. That's that's the biggest weak point for my, uh, my part of the negotiation is that the price is the price. The contract's very clear. The price is off limits for attorney review. Um, so everything I ask for, they can say no to, and the contract's already there. Whereas if the things that are going to come up, you know, let's say we've got, we know Charlie's going to do the inspection, and we know he's going to catch everything, right? If I've already negotiated, don't stop it. Just yeah. Oh, well, nobody maybe. catches everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's gonna he's gonna That's catch. That's an expectation he's, he's that gonna can't be reached. He's gonna catch all the important stuff. I'm going to assume that a guy like Charlie is going to catch most of the important stuff, right? Could he miss something? I mean, you know, I don't know. He gets distracted by things. I saw him this morning. He, he wasn't here with us. He was <laughs> elsewhere. But, All right. you know, let's, let's say he's not having a problem with Chase, and he's on, he, and he's on his game. Um, <laughs> then, you know, what, what's the use in me sitting there as a seller and going like, 
hey, yeah, it's a 30-year-old roof. I should have replaced five years ago. I didn't tell that to the buyer. You know, now I've got a, a problem, right? Uh, you know, same with Charlie's going to going to point out that the the, uh, the the 12 inches from the floor up in the finished basement are obviously brand new. I can see the patch because they didn't do such a hot job uh, when they pulled out because it's all water damaged. If, if I, instead I already told the buyer, hey, we had a water problem. This is what happened. This is how it was fixed. Um, you know, it was a, a hundred year rain event that caused it. You know, so it's it's sort of a, a you know, it's it's a thing that you, you shouldn't expect to happen all the time, whatever it is. Um, you know, trust is being built and now you've got a much smoother path toward the um you know the ultimate goal uh, otherwise you know all right well let them find what they find okay well do you want to waste two weeks time where you know they had an inspector and then they had a specialist come out and they go oh you know the roof you i can't money. do this it that's it costs everybody money now you've yeah. got a you've got a buyer that spent money on on these professionals you wasted two weeks of your time and you know what did you get out of it well i thought i could you know schmooze it well that's i mean and and to go off what you're saying if if i may you know, um, the fact is, is that if you don't have a professional or professionals that you're working with and when, you know, the biggest thing is when I walk to, I talk to a seller, you know, besides price, besides market, besides this, besides that, when we go through disclosures, I said, listen, when you fill out these disclosures, be as honest as possible. Cause if you're not, and we find it later, that can cause a few different problems, right? One of them being may, maybe the major one, which is, you got more money than when we listed it for, and now all of a sudden there's a serious problem that you didn't disclose in the first place. Mm -hmm. I ask people all the time, did you do anything? Do you, did you have one of the questions that you ask them throughout the transaction toward the end or whatever it is, whenever your process is, is you say, has there been a uh, insurance claim? And they'll be mm -hmm. like, no. And if there is, then that causes a problem. So it's like, hey, did you do an insurance claim? Yes, we did. We had this issue. Okay, was it taken care of? Yes. Do you have the documentation? Yes. Okay, great. Just make sure that you're aware that the attorney will be asking for that documentation to provide evidence to the buyer and by, you know, that sort of thing. So, and there's a way to find out, by the way. If, sure. If you're talking you, about the title itself? Or well, so with insurance claims um, yeah. specifically, and this isn't foolproof, right? So, you know, uh, it, things can still slip by. But what I advise my buyer clients to do is to ask their insurance agent to pull a clue report, C-L-U-E. This is a database that insurance... Talk about this before I remember. Yeah, it's a database insurance companies use. They report claims made on their policies. And so they can pool all of these, um, you know, and, uh, claims nice. and, you know, they're, uh, I, I think, uh, that, uh, in insurance, uh, the, the uh, I forget the name, but anyways, that, that was going to be a tangent. So let's not do that. Um, but so uh, I'd say most insurance agents will pull that report for you. If they won't actually give you the report, they'll tell you what's on it. And when you find out, oh, you know, the seller slipped their mind that they, uh, three years ago had uh, a water damage claim. Um, far better, far better. I mean, Steve, tell me if I'm wrong about this, but wouldn't you rather have a buyer who's willing to pay full price or more still knowing that there was, um, I don't know, a, a, a leak in the roof than getting that same offer and accepting it and then them finding out about that later on and now they view that as leverage to get a concession from you. Well, so there's two things there. First of all, am I representing the buyer? Well, I'm, I'm, in this instance, you would be representing the seller. I okay, think. very different then. Because in, in the buyer situation, I'm going to tell them to, spend, or to offer less, depending on the market. Because I want to get a better deal. So, well, sure. But from the and, seller perspective, and there we go. This is this is to my point exactly. Yeah. If if there's no deal to be had with the house in its current condition, don't tie things up for two weeks. Spending money on him, spending money. You know, these days the appraisers are out there. You know, in no time. Yeah, you, know, you could easily yeah, be yeah. by the time we figure out that this depending is, if Joey's the lender. Or not. Well, by the time we find out <laughs> that the deal's not going to happen, <laughs> yeah. as a buyer, you could be eleven, twelve hundred dollars, fifteen hundred dollars in on right. a house you're not going to buy. Sure, absolutely not great, right. not great. And right. then you go into the next one, going, "Geez, I'm not going to spend another." However much, call it fifteen hundred, to find out I'm not going to buy this house. Whereas, 
if you had already negotiated knowing about those issues. And look, sometimes the seller doesn't know either. And you know, in that case, there wasn't anything to disclose because you had no knowledge to disclose it. But if you know about stuff, in my opinion, it's better to get it all out on the table, especially in a market like Cards this. Up. You're probably still going to get top yeah, price. Absolutely. And the thing is, too, going off of that as well, you know, if the seller doesn't know it, all depends on how long that seller's been there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Okay. Unless the seller has amnesia and forgot, fine. Well, we get, or, I get a lot of flippers. You know, I'm, I'm representing yeah, buyers. You get these bogus. flippers. And my they're real like, estate agent told me not to put it down. You I know, don't know what I, to I tell know. you about your real estate agent. Yeah, obviously, you had the wrong one. I did, you know, at that I point just, in time. But, you know, I'm going to go back to Joey on this. What's the process yeah. with the appraisers if they see a stain <clears throat> and there's no active water leak in there? So, the, uh, I mean, it depends on the appraiser at the end of the day. Um, some appraisers will note it. Um, they can say it's subject to a certified you know, I don't know, roof inspector in that situation. Oh, I hate or that appraiser. To make sure there's nothing, <laughs> right? But... Like, it, it, but it's really appraiser dependent. Like, it's, it's, it's. I mean, uh, all of our industries, right? It's a, it's a low bar for entry. So, I, I hate to say that. Oh, it's definitely going to be an issue, or it's definitely not going to be an issue. At the end of the day, like everyone's saying, like disclose things. I when I just sold my last house, I did have a, a uh, insurance claim for a water leak, and I fixed it, and I provided evidence, I provided warranty, all those things, mm-hmm. and obviously nothing came back on the appraisal because it was fixed, but. I would imagine if an appraiser had gone into my house and they had seen the amount of bubbling in the paint and all those things, I would have been nailed on it, right? Yeah. If it's obvious, an appraiser's totally going to hammer it. And you're building trust, Joey. That's that's it's really you know go, goes back to to what I'm talking about building trust. I mean, when uh, I'll give you another example. I had a client that we just closed on Monday uh, the sale of their home, and they had uh, a sewer backup last July. Remember, we had that torrential rainfall uh, that. Uh, that cut short the NASCAR race. Uh, I, I went back and looked because they were like, yeah, remember that July 4th? I was like, do I ever? Um, and so I went, I, I Googled a little bit. I was like, yeah, we did get a lot of rain. Turns out we, the, at Midway, which this house was by Midway, that the amount of rainfall we got, I think on that Sunday, was twice the record yeah. for a day rainfall. I do remember that. I put all of that in the, in the, response, in, in the response letter. And I said, look, Back in July 4th, y'all would remember. I mean, I said it differently because, you know, lawyers write like, you know, we, we write like we write. What can yeah. I say? But, you know, the gist of it, I'll paraphrase, is that last July 4th, y'all will remember we had like a generational kind of rainfall um, that, you know, no one has seen or, or would like expect. Last night. And, and yeah. well, last night was crazy. But, right. um, and, you know, there was a sewer backup. An insurance claim was made. Uh, it was everything was, was addressed professionally. Um, you know, all the finishes were replaced and, uh, you know, and, and that was that. And so, you know, we, we, other than that, we've not had uh, water come in. When you give that kind of context and you, and you're being forthcoming and explaining, you know, cause it, I could have just as easily, uh, responded by saying there was a, a water claim, uh, last year. <laughs> now, tell me, are those two responses different? How, different. How are you, yeah. How are you going to react? You know, that first one, you know, you go, okay, yeah, I do remember that. Aggressive. Well, I do remember that, and like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, I, 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 I'm not worried because I don't expect. Well, you know, let's let's not let's not go off on on whether we should start to expect more severe uh, weather because you know that's it's going to happen. Yeah, you know, well, we're on the right radio station to talk about climate change. If we were uh, over in Elk Grove Village, oh uh, maybe I'd have to have a, a, a more... Uh, All right, I'm just cutting you off right there. Joey, I want <sighs> you to tell me a story. I want you to tell me a story about a client that I think I referred to you, and I think you made this loan. So I had somebody call me up. They were getting a VA mortgage, and the appraiser came out there, and they knew that they had water seepage in the basement. They put in a flood control system in. And the appraiser wanted to have a an, a certification that everything's fixed. I'm like, yeah, I can do it for you, but I'm going to charge $300 just to send somebody out there, you know, for 10 minutes. And I said, it's kind of a waste of money. And it really doesn't seem like it's one of the norms that comes into this. I referred them off to you, Joey. I believe you did write the mortgage. And the funny thing about it, I don't know if I shared this with you. They actually called me back and, and they just said, we don't need your services anymore. And 
And I'm like, you could have told me why, but did they? Did they? Did you end up? What did you them? do, Joey? No, I, I know who you're talking about, but no, they, I did not end up working with them. Which okay, is hilarious to me. Um, just because I, I remember the situation and I heard the terms of what they had going on, I was like, oh my god, you guys are getting hammered right now. So they worked with someone else, thankfully, because honestly, after that conversation and now after hearing what you just said, I'm like, that would not have been a very good relationship to build. Really? So mm, that's interesting. And, I am about relationship building with people that it makes sense to build a relationship Boom. with. Right? So Love it. That's that's where that went. Um <laughs> but no, I mean they, they, they sent me their loan estimate. I I looked over their loan estimate, I looked at everything and I mean I'll just say that there are people in my industry that aren't good people and they were definitely using them. Um yeah, but, absolutely. Because they'll they'll pull some strings and they'll get somehow get the loan approved and this, that, whatever, and it's completely well, Ridiculous Joey, and well, they run the right. they run the dollars up is what happens. Well, that that and the fact yeah. that they, I mean, they take advantage of the client, unfortunately, and they get away with it, and it is what it is. And you know what? When Joey was saying that, it was like, uh, you know, I I was the one that said boom. And the fact is, is that the building relationship is key. And if you're not honest with them, and you're not, you know, forthcoming and explaining different things and helping them understand stuff and so on then you don't want to work with those people anyway. It's not about the dollar at the end of the day. It's about the relationship. And if you're not going to be a good person and be honest and so on, then, you know, I mean, besides getting out of the business, please. I have, I have two it's things more than to that. add. I have two things to add. One is that my name is Patrick Loftus. I'm a real estate lawyer with Loftus Loft. I'm on Instagram at Loftus underscore Loft. I'm going to be TikTok doing it again in three Loftus minutes anyway, Loft. I figured. Yeah, why not? But Joe, you know, I think I think one of the, the really the biggest problems with, uh, with these loan estimates, um, I mean, there's many problems, many, many problems. But what are people yeah, shopping for, sure. for? They're shopping for interest rates, right? And so people yeah. in your industry, People who are perhaps less than uh, you know straightforward, let's say, they know that they can manipulate that interest rate, and that it will it will cause people to you know they, they 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 shut everything else about the loan out because they don't understand any anything else on that sheet. They just look at the interest rate and they go, "Yay, uh, low interest rate!" I can brag to my friends I, I, uh, that I have a, a six point two five interest rate. Not knowing that they're paying you know eight grand to buy it down from seven i mean it's it is, isn't that kind of the what you're describing in terms of you know the the less than straightforwardness in in your business no absolutely it is i mean it's it's the oh man um, <laughs> triggered no so it, need more of an hour than an hour for this yeah, I talked about this last week too, and it, I had clients. They went with, uh, they were buying in Georgia. The realtor told them to shop me against Zillow, which was hilarious. To me. The Zillow guy was coming back uh, a, a half a point lower on rate than me, and I was like, "There's no way. If this is freaking Zillow mortgage, blah blah blah." So I was like, "Hey, you know what? Have fun, but do me a favor. When you get your loan estimate and it's locked, send it to me." So once it went under contract. And they got their locked loan estimate. I saw it. The guy was charging more than a point. I'm like, dude, this is this is what drives me nuts. I'm not going to show you what a point costs up front, like because that's not an apples to apples thing. I want you to see what it, what the loan looks like without charging you more to get lower rates, right? So once I saw it, I knew I was already beating it. They ended up closing with me because it was cheaper to work with me. But it's just again, people are like, oh, get the best rate, get the best rate, get the best. I, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the lowest rate in the world. You're just going to hate how much money you have to bring to close. Right. So right. it's all about finding balance. You can buy down your rate, whatever. That's fine. I'll show you options. Joey, you talk, I want to I want to highlight something that Joey just talked about that I, I wonder if if anyone else picked up on it. And he he was very specific when he said, I want to see the locked loan estimate. And and Joey, we've you and I have talked about this before as far as the difference between a locked loan estimate and one that is well, not locked, let's say. Number one, how do I know that I have a locked loan estimate? Number two, why is that important? On the top right of your loan estimate, there's going to be a little checkbox that says locked, yes or no. If it says yes, then you're locked and it'll give you an expiration date. Uh, why is that important? Because honestly, on a loan estimate, it's basically toilet paper. The, the, the loan estimates that you get up front, unless it's locked, they're toilet paper because you can put whatever you want on those things. It's not real numbers from the lending standpoint until you see the lock checkbox 
marked yes. So that so one that's not locked, they're not held to any to any standard in terms of how much anything can change. Is is that is that the correct understanding? I would say that's a very broad answer that is technically correct because I know there are still lenders out there that are sending out loan estimates with terms that look super favorable, but they're unlocked. And then once they get locked, people are like, oh, well, I'm too deep into this. Now I'm screwed. Mm. You know, I'm writing a book right now, and originally it was designed to be, you know, how to hire a home inspector and talk about the different services. I want to expand that, and I I really am going to ask all three of you and put you right on the spot. I want you to participate in it. I think we should be writing some sort of a short ebook, you know, how to choose the vendors in buying a house. You know, what are the things to watch out for? What are the things that you should be checking for? And not just to gear them towards us and, and stuff like that, because there are just so many variables and, and too many, too much of our society believes that we're all commodities. And, and I really don't think that's the truth, but we don't really have the ability or the time to go ahead and express to somebody what makes somebody unique and valuable. I love right. that idea. I absolutely Will love that help? idea. I would love yeah, to have a pamphlet, Joe, or a pamphlet like that. To, I'm, I'm always there. Come on. Right. I would love to have We're something like that this. to just say, hey, you know, and like you said, Charlie, it, this isn't meant necessarily. I mean, look, let's let's face it. Let's. Yeah, I'm going to be perfectly. You you're above the, the average by no, far. Th- this and is it's not just BS. It's right? th- this is a lead gener- generating uh, device, right? That that's what it is. I don't want to BS anybody. That you know, writing no. a pamphlet like that is you meant to generate free leads. information to get the contact. Absolutely. But what it's not meant to do, it, and what I would not intend it to do, is to steer you away from hiring someone that is a good fit for you. I'm not Absolutely. a good fit for everybody. Me neither. So, you know, if if you want... I'm not going to agree with that. <laughs> if, you want, <laughs> if, if you want a super straight-laced attorney, I, I think uh, Rachel, our, all of our mutual friends, I, I don't know if you consider her a friend. I consider her a friend. I, I consider Charlie her a friend. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. She, she said something funny that, that I'm, I, I told her I was going to take and, and steal from her, but she's like, so many lawyers exude sad dad energy. And I could not stop laughing because it. it's like, because she was talking about, you know, I, I think I want to introduce you to someone who might be a good fit because you don't exude that sad dad energy that so many lawyers do. But, but you know, because that is so the norm and because that's the expectation, when you find someone who's not, who doesn't have that sort of thing that you're expecting your lawyer to be, you might think to yourself, mm, I don't know about that guy. I might be the guy you don't know about that guy. But if you want to work someone work with someone that doesn't have sad dad energy, uh, I, I am certainly Rachel Cherney certified as not having sad dad energy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, I, we are more, I love you, Rachel. I don't know. Yeah, no, she's, a, she's a wonderful person. She is. Um, but we are running out of time. I'm going to send her that clip for sure. Definitely do that. <laughs> you should. But while, you're, while you got the air and the mic, Pat, if you don't mind, please give us your contact information. Find me on social media. Follow me. Send me a message. Let's correspond at Loftus underscore law on Instagram, at Loftus Law on TikTok. And Joey, same thing for you, please. Yeah, you can call or text me at 630-235-2405. Find me at thevaloanerd.com or across all social medias as at thevaloanerd. Careless and we're going to be bringing Steve Davis on once a month in, in this. He's going to end up being our regular... Uh, real estate agent and every time he's on here I want to kind of turn this show more to instead of an ethics type thing more into an education program so thank you for being here with us absolutely today. Steve, thank you very much can you give us your contact info yeah uh, it's uh, I'm Steve Davis my number is 312-513-6314 uh, you can find me on Instagram at I'm Steve Davis and uh, education is key for sure so I'm happy to to do that All right. And we are out of time. My name is Charlie. I'm sorry to cut you off, Steve. No worries. Everybody, thank you for listening again. My name is Charlie, and I'm out. And thank you. Uh, Thank you, Devin Tingo, for being our producer today. Wrap it up, B. I am done.